everyone. It is so good to be with you tonight. I'm um, totally encouraged because one of the main passages that God told me to speak on tonight, Joe brought as part of the prophetic word about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. So we'll get to that later. But um, God's on our case. He's got something to say to us. And uh, what we need to do is just open up our hearts and our hands to him. So maybe we could just do that for a moment. If you feel comfortable, we just welcome you, Holy Spirit of God. You've gone before me, and I thank you for that, God. You're with us right now, and we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We say, come and speak to us. I just want to step out of all of my own abilities, and I want to step into your anointing tonight, God. And I pray that every single person in this room tonight will hear something very specific from you. So we open ourselves to you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's exciting, isn't it, when God does that, goes before you, has got something to say, um, and so we just need to respond. So as you saw from the trailer, we're in the middle of this wonderful series based on um, Micah 6.8. So I think it had just come up on the uh, screen for us. He has shown... He has shown you, a mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So we've been like cycling through those three things. Um, justice, mercy, humility. And then uh, just to really get the point over, we've been looking at it from different angles. So tonight we're back on mercy. Andrew uh, kicked off the series for us. And then David, and then tonight you've got me. So um, we are going to look at things from slightly different angles. But just to do a little bit of a recap, um, what is mercy? We better start there in case you've missed any of the other talks. The, um, it's just coming up on the screen for us. The Oxford Dictionary says that mercy is key to understanding... Oh, no, this is what Andrew said, that mercy is key... Yeah, here we go. We're on the right slide now. Uh, mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it's within your power to punish or harm. So two key words there, compassion and forgiveness. Mercy is all about compassion and forgiveness, not just with the Oxford Dictionary, but throughout the pages of the Bible. That is a narrative of the Bible, that God in his compassion towards us sends his son Jesus to die on the cross that we might know forgiveness and receive mercy. We were meant to receive judgment. We, we had walked away from God. We had done things our own way. The judgment of God should have been coming towards us, but what happened? God steps in with his mercy, with his compassion, with his forgiveness, with his grace towards us. And he, and he brings a change. He brings a change and he says, you should have deser uh, deserved judgment. But if you receive, you can have mercy, compassion and forgiveness flowing through the pages of the Bible. Freely available for us tonight. So, um, you know, Andrew's quite clever the way he's done the series. He started off by talking about God. And I think that's on the next slide, what God is like in terms of mercy. It says, point part one was this. Mercy is key to understanding the character of God. We need to know how God acts. That's the foundation stone for the talk tonight. Our foundation is that we know that God is a merciful God. He's full of compassion and forgiveness towards us. And we need a revelation of that. We need to receive that truth into our hearts tonight. That God is for us, not against us on our side, wanting the best for us. 
God's compassion is towards me tonight. And it's towards you tonight. God's forgiveness is towards me tonight. It's towards you tonight. His mercy is being poured out because the very character of God is that he is a merciful God. So that was part one. Then um, David did a fab sermon. I love this. Um, were any of you around when he talked about the comma of mercy? Yeah, fantastic. I thought about that all week. He said basically that God comes into our mess and he brings a comma, not a full stop. The comma is the moment where God says, yeah, yeah, you've got all this mess, but I'm going to pour in my mercy. I'm going to pour in my compassion. I'm going to pour in my forgiveness. And it's not the end of the story. He said that there is hope and there is peace as we receive the mercy of God. So do you see where our rector was going with this? First of all, God, he's full of mercy. Then what happens? We, we receive mercy. And tonight we are looking at the, the third part of this, which is that there is an outward focus for Mercy. I'm terrible with the slides. I don't know if things are coming up as they should. Anyway, so key is, um, sorry, mercy is key to God's love in action through us, serving God's purposes in our daily lives. That's tonight's focus, the outward focus of mercy. God is mercy. We receive mercy. And then guess what? Mercy needs to flow out. And guess what? God wants to use you and me to be a channel of his mercy. So that's what we're, where we've been and what we're looking at tonight. So um, I've got five points. That sounds a lot, doesn't it? But you're fine with me. Some are really long and some are like bite-sized. First one is long, so don't get scared. So um, the first point, which I think is coming up. Yeah, there you go. Mercy looks to the interests of others. That's the first thing I want to say. In our world, it is so easy for us to just focus on ourselves. How true is that? With our time, with our money, what, what we do, how, how we spend our, our money, what we're doing with things. A lot of it's focused on us. Our prayer life lets, you know, hold up our hands, not literally, but how much of the time do you just pray for yourself in comparison to praying for others? And yet, um, in the kingdom of God, everything is turned upside down. God does this amazing thing. He says, you know, the world tells you it's all about you. It's about you getting more, you being better, you having a better career, you having more money, you being successful. Look at you. What do you want? What do you need? And God said, no, no, no. In my kingdom, I turn it upside down. He said, mercy is to look to the interests of others. And um, Philippians 2.4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So this is part of the heart of God. Mercy looking to the interests of others. And uh, this is where your word came in, Joe. Like I, I really felt as I was preparing that God led me to the passage in John uh, 13, it's going to come up. 12, it's John 13, 12 to 15. And it's the account where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. And it says, um, when, he, yeah, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. 
Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet as I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And, um, you know, as I was thinking about this passage, I was thinking they're all going to think that out the back, Gareth and I have put loads of buckets of water and sponges. We're going to bring them out. You're going to get your smelly socks off and your shoes, and we're all going to wash your feet. No, 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 we're not doing that tonight. But um, this passage isn't, you know, washing each other's feet, that's fine. No, if God tells you to do it, do it. But really tonight, what I want to say from that passage is that God, he is God Almighty, Jesus. He's the Son of God. He's the creator, the sustainer of all things. He's the one that makes you breathe. He's the one that gives you life. He gives you hope. He gives you a future. Yet, he humbles himself. And he literally, Joe, gets down. He gets down into the mess of people's lives. The disciples, they would, in those days, you know, they would have had dirt and muck on their feet. But Jesus, Son of God, he gets down and he washes their feet. And I feel that the Holy Spirit of God is calling us as a church to get down on our knees and wash each other's feet. I was like thinking, oh God, do I really have to do this in church? He said, yes, get down on your knees and wash people's feet. It's not the literal act. You hear what I'm saying tonight? God is calling us to get into the mess and the muck and the dirt of Cheltenham, of the people around us, the families, our communities. He wants us down on our knees. He wants us to do something. He wants us to wash feet, putting other people in front of ourselves. How are we going to respond? The prophetic word said, didn't it? You know, are we just going to do nothing? Or are we going to do something? And there's a prophetic call tonight for action. For humbling ourselves. Jesus is our example. The son of God. gets down on his knees and he washes feet. Now I have to tell you. I need mercy. What's it about? Compassion, forgiveness. I need more of both of those things in my life. I need God to do some heart surgery on me so that his mercy, his compassion, and his forgiveness can flow from me. But um, as I was preparing, I I love to tell stories. And um, I felt um, God remind me of two stories. So I want to tell you the first one. It's about the first part of mercy. It's about compassion. So let me just say, I don't get this right a lot of the time, but this is a time where God challenged me about something. I was uh, living in America at the time, just outside New York, and uh, working for a wonderful church. They had a beautiful building, uh, you know, beautiful grounds. It was amazing. Everything's big in America. It's really big. And uh, there was a church house, and then I had this really spacious, lovely basement apartment next to the church. It was awesome. And um, I was loving my time out there. I wasn't married at the time, um, and, um, but I was just about to turn 
30 old I know so old and um, I was out there and it was all really exciting um, I'd been dating Dan for about two months before I got the job in America and I'd flown out there and left him and then he was flying over for my 30th birthday and you know it was all excitement and uh, in the church my friend Robin she decided she's going to throw a party for me so they like you know they decorated the basement of the church there was lights there's banners you know America everything's big isn't it you can imagine it and uh, they got all my uh, we it seems that we're talking a lot about food in the church at the moment so I just thought I'd throw my bit in it's not scotch eggs it is um, American New York cheesecake there was loads of it there there was brownies there all the nice American food you could think of it was at this birthday party Kate's candles the works the student I was a student pastor the students had decided they wanted to do a version of comedy night they'd put together production it was all happening for my thing. 30th birthday and uh, I was very excited but two weeks before my birthday um, this is the longest point by the way remember that Um, two weeks before my birthday God really challenged me about somebody in the church and um, this person in the church um, he had like some learning difficulties and um, when he would come to church often um, you know this Clothes were an ironed. Um, he had like a beard, a bit like Mike's, but not as trim and looking good. But, um, you know, often there was like, um, I don't know why I'm smiling, it wasn't funny, but there was like bits of food in his beard. And um, anyway, this guy here's at the church. And I, f- I felt God challenged me to show him some compassion because I found out that he shared the same birthday as me. And uh, all these preparations were going on for my my birthday party. And um, I came to realize that he was living by himself. He had no family nearby. And uh, because of some of his difficulties, he didn't have a whole lot of friends. And um, I just felt uh, the Holy Spirit say to me, you know, great that all these people are throwing a party for you, Marie. But how about sharing your party? And uh, so I, I said to him, you know, guess what? You know, they're having this party. You know, we can, we can have this joint birthday party together. And I tell you, I will never forget um, him sitting on the front row with me as all the students were doing their comedy stuff. And um, the smile on his face, because he was like, we were celebrating together. And um, it was just very moving. But I had to tell you that most of the night was probably mostly about me. And people were blessing me. And there was probably a whole lot more I could have done that night. But two months later, the very wise Dan, my husband, had had proposed to me. And I was flying back to Cheltenham because I was going to get married. Yeah, so um, I was um, packing up my beautiful basement apartment leaving America and, and all the New York cheesecake that I used to love to eat. And um, I was packing up. And then, and then out of the window, I saw this guy sitting in the church grounds on one of the picnic tables. And I was, and I was thinking, what's he doing out there? So I went out and I said, look, what are, you, what are you doing out here? And he said to me, with tears in his eyes, he said, I will never forget you throwing a birthday party for me. And I said to him, I was a bit taken back. And I said, oh, you know, you know, I'm not leaving in three hours' time. I've still got to clean the apartment and pack. And he said, I know. 
He said, but I just didn't want to risk missing you leave. And I said, but it's three hours. Go to the Starbucks, you know, go get Dunkin' Donuts, do something. But he said, no, I'm sitting this picnic table. And then when, you know, the little, not the little, the big transit van came to take me to the airport and, you know, some of the church were there. He embraced me. And I will never forget that embrace. Um, Because sometimes we're just all focused on ourselves, aren't we? And something very powerful when we show some compassion to somebody else. And that's mercy. That's mercy at work. And I, you know, I wish I'd done a whole lot more for him. But it was... um, very, very moving time. And uh, just God, you know, this is the message tonight. He wants us to get involved in the muck. He wants us to wash feet, and it might look like sharing your birthday party. Now, it might look very, very different to that, but God wants us looking to the interests of others. Point two. Oh, I've been crying. Good job I got a tissue. Um, Mercy, it's for all people. Matthew 9, 10 to 13. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why did your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, is it not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick? But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And that's the second thing I felt for us tonight, that I want to remind you that mercy is for all people. It's for all people, the rich and the poor. And, and I want to remind us that sometimes we look at people and we think that they're all together. They're, they've got their nice clothes on and they've got a good job and they've got some money, but they can be poor in spirit. And I think that God is calling us to both things. He's, he has a heart for the literal poor. You know, our mercy ministries at this church, if maybe God is calling you tonight to get involved in some transform ministries, street pastor stuff, whatever it is. God is concerned about the literal poor, but there's the poor in spirit. And God is concerned for all people and in your world, the people around you. You don't need to go to Africa unless God's calling you. But the people in your world around you, they need the mercy of God. And God wants that flowing out of us. Point three, mercy requires action. And it's just coming back to that first prophetic word, isn't it? We've got to do something. Karis was amazing this morning. She preached on the same subject, but we took it from different kind of angles. But she said a wonderful thing. She said, it's not about responding to all of the the things you see around you, because that can be overwhelming sometimes. You see all of these needs, and you think, oh, 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 what shall I do? And then guess what? You get stuck, and you do nothing. It's not about that. It's not about feeling guilty or responding to everything. It's about being led by the Father, And responding to what he is saying and then being called to action. Um, A few years ago, I went to New Wine. Who's been to New Wine? Fab, yeah, really great. And uh, there's a preacher there, Carl Martin. It's been, he's been quoted so many times from the front, but I just love this. It stayed with me forever. Um, He said, this is for that. 
Any of you there for that sermon? He said, this is for that. And what he was talking about is church, as meeting together, it has to not just be for here, it has to go somewhere. It has to be for out, out, outward focus. And uh, we can't just know that God is merciful and we can't just receive mercy. We have to let mercy start flowing out, flowing out of this church, flowing out of your life, flowing out of my life. We need to let mercy loose in Cheltenham, compassion and forgiveness, the mercy of God through Jesus Christ. We need to let it out, out. So how do we do this? Point four. You see, I can get fast if I want to. Um, Point four, and uh, this is what two words I felt for tonight. Speak and show. Okay, so we're going to look at speak first of all. I think it's really important that part of our action is actually speaking. The devil wants to silence the church, for the church to be passive and not to speak up. And if you heard me preach before, I always somehow get this point into my sermons. Um, But I do, I believe this, that part of the mercy of God is sharing the mercy of God probably really lost on the slides, but I think there's one, which is Psalm 145, verse 8. And it says this, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. The world needs to know about the mercy of God. Simple. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But the world needs to know about the mercy of God. And I've been reading this book. It was recommended by Andrew. So they, how about that for brownie points? I read it. Uh, anybody want the book? We have a thing in our house. We read a book and then we give it away. Anybody want the book? Nobody wants the book? What's the matter with you all? Anybody want the book? Back row, it's for you. <laughs> um, so I've been reading this book and he said some great stuff. I think it's going to come up on the screen. Yeah, he said, At the cross, justice and mercy kiss. Justice that must punish sin. Mercy that must pay for sin. And as we proclaim the good news of this God who died for us at Calvary, I love this, we become the bringers of mercy, holding out the mercy of God that saves to the uttermost. That just got me. There's a message. There's a message to tell. You know, our computers are so clever, aren't they? Um, I was typing away at the computer writing this talk, and the computer didn't like my next sentence. What's that all about? It told me that there was something wrong with my grammar. So um, as you know, a good um, girl, I pressed right-click to see what the problem was, and instead it had changed the sentence, and there were just two words highlighted. And it said this, must share, must share. And I just at the, you know, in the office of the little computer, I just had to stop for a minute. And I just thought, oh God, oh God, not in a guilt way. Like, I must share. I must share. I must share. Help me, God. And I just like, you know, turned for a moment to prayer and just said, God, you know, help me. So often I'm silent. I must, I must speak. I must, I must share. I must share. Point five. God wants us to show mercy. 
It's not enough just to speak. That's just one part of it. It's speak and show. Compassion and forgiveness. Giving you the key words for tonight. Speak and show. That's what we want as we have this outward focus. Let's just read one final passage of uh, scripture. It's from Matthew. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in the prison and you came and visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or need clothing and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or, and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Truly, I tell you, sorry. Um, did... Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Matthew 25. A very, very challenging passage, isn't it? There are things to do. Clothe those that have no clothes. Feed those that need food. But I really believe that God has different things for each of us to do. And the heart of the matter is receiving God's mercy and then responding to the Spirit of God and doing whatever he tells you to do to wash feet. You don't have to be the same as anybody else. You need to listen to the Father and respond to him. So I told you there was two stories. I told you one about compassion, and now I need to tell you one about forgiveness. Because what is mercy when we're looking outward? Compassion and forgiveness flowing out of this church. So here's the story. Don't ask for details, um, because I'm not going to give them to you. But um, when I was a teenager, and I didn't actually, I just want to say, the person who led me to Jesus Christ is here tonight, and I just want to honour this couple here, the Knightleys, to change my life by speaking to me about Jesus. But anyway, so I hope you don't know this story, but um, when I was a teenager, and these guys had just told me about Jesus, um, there were a few things that were a bit rough in my family life at that time, and it meant that um, I, I moved out of home for a while, and uh, I moved in with a family in the church. And... Um, this is a bit that I'm not going to reveal other details. But on a serious note, I did something really wrong in the family that I was living at. Okay? Something really wrong. And um, I knew it was wrong, but I was terrified. I was terrified that if I told them, they wouldn't want me living in their house anymore. And I was terrified that if I told them, they think, that I'd be a bad Christian, and I'd only just become a Christian, so I was meant to be a really good, shiny, happy one. But I thought, oh my goodness, what will they think of me? And you know, all joking aside, um, I was quite traumatized on the inside about this because I had done something really wrong, which I shouldn't have done. And, um, and I kept on trying to push it down, but it kept on like a jack-in-the-box springing back up. And 
it's worse when you get to church, isn't it? In the week, you can kind of like just about get away with it. And then you get into church and guess what? It's what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you about. And I was like, no, no, no. Anyway, after a few months of resistance, um, I eventually, one, one Sunday morning, I couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. And I just had to, I deserve judgment. I knew that. And I was, you know, manning up or womaning up, whatever the phrase is, for judgment and the consequences of judgment. But I couldn't take it anymore, so I just went to them in floods of tears, um, makeup everywhere. You know, it's like a teenager, loads of makeup, and it was everywhere. And um, I went to them and I said to them the thing I had done that was wrong. And I received mercy. I told you about an embrace with the, the lad in America. But I received an embrace. And they told me, they said, yeah, you really shouldn't have done that. That's not, not a great thing to do. Please don't tell the Nightlies. I was going, please don't tell the Nightlies. Um, anyway, uh, no, it wasn't that was a joke. Uh, but, um, I was there and I was devastated at this thing that I had done. And they said, yeah, you, you, you shouldn't have done that. That was really wrong. And they said, um, but we want to forgive you. And they put their arms around me. And I was like crying and shaking, needing more tissues. You know, you get the picture. And, uh, but I received mercy. And we're coming into land now. We need to receive the mercy of God. That we then find peace. And once we receive mercy from God, it's so much easier to give it away. Because if you know that God has forgiven you, shown you compassion, your heart will then start to break for other people. Now, don't get me wrong, sometimes there are consequences for the things that we do. And I'm not saying everything should just be, you know, white, clean, but there's something powerful about that embrace. When I was in America, I preached loads of sermons. I organized loads of events for students. I had a blast. But the thing I will remember most is the embrace that I received from that man that day. Because God loves mercy. He loves compassion. And he loves forgiveness. Bottom line, he wants to show it to you. And he wants you to show it to others. So that you can be God's mercy in action, in Cheltenham. Let's pray. (coughs) So Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you are a merciful God. And if we come to you, we can find compassion and forgiveness from you. Thank you for that, God. And I just want to pray for us all tonight. We'll be in different places. Some of us will be living in a bit of mess and we need you to come and put in the comma and bring in peace and hope. Some of us have never received your mercy and we're like, whoa, what's this all about? And some of us need to be stirred again to not just be thinking about ourselves, but to be thinking about washing feet whatever that looks like. 
So in this moment, God, just speak. Speak. Speak to us. Speak. Mercy in times of trouble. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in. So we're going to um, have a bit of time to respond now. And I know there needs to be response tonight. For some of that is us, that is finding that peace, isn't it? Bringing our mess, receiving the embrace. And for some of us, we need to start giving the embrace. What's God saying? What's God doing? So should we stand together? Let's just welcome him now. Holy Spirit of God. Why don't you just welcome the Holy Spirit of God? into your situation. Holy Spirit of God. Welcome him. Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of God. Do you need to find mercy tonight? Come forward, let someone pray for you. It's got stir in your heart that it's all been about you. Come forward, let someone pray for you. Respond, respond. Get the person next to you to pray for you. But let's respond. Mercy in time of trouble. So don't be shy. If you need prayer tonight, just make your way forward and People will come and pray with you. Thank you.